Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, America. America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. America. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Soccer Noob Rocket America. You know what? Let's unpack that name. I'm Soccer Noob, and the name is no joke. I've only followed soccer at all for a few years on any level. Person Noob, comparatively new to being alive, my nine-year-old daughter, she joins me on various countdown, musical, and other co-hosting duties. And then Rocket America. Well, mostly I just like the sound of it. What we do is... Uh, we do mini previews of the most important, intriguing matches in the world, 10 of them. And I mean from anywhere in the world. And as we define, quote unquote, important. Now, we lean on American matches when they're in season and then uh, leagues and national team tournaments from our region and then the whole darn planet. It's going to be plenty of oddball humor along the way, as if you couldn't tell by the song. Cultural learning, too. We're going to cover matches from December 31st, Friday through Thursday, January 6th. Let's jump in head first with... March number one! Now, we don't happen to have any Friday matches to talk about this particular week. I mean, plenty are being played around the world, but none that happen to make our cut for the 10 most intriguing and important. So we start on Saturday with a match in England. And sometimes with these uh, bigger matchups and big leagues, since a lot of you I know already know about these clubs and these matchups, we tend to get a little uh, uh, creative, let's say, with these matchups. This time I want to do something for the newer fans of the show, burgeoning fans of the sport, I should say, and play this one a little bit more straight. The matchup, number four, Arsenal versus number one, Man City. Now, the top four teams are going to get to go to the Premier League. So actually, this means a little bit more for Arsenal than it does for Man City. Now, everybody wants to win the league, obviously, and they're number one. But taking a look at the table will make things a little bit clearer. Man City are on the edge of kind of running away with things. They have 50 points. They're eight up on Chelsea at 42. Liverpool have 41. Arsenal, another little gap. They're at 35 points, trying to hang on to that last spot. And then West Hampton and Manchester United are hanging back just at 31. The series between these two teams in recent years, Man City have had the best of it with a 17-6-9 and record. We'll talk about the hosts first. Arsenal, they're known as the Gunners, and they are the 14th-ranked club in UEFA. That puts them right between the uh, dreaded Tottenham Hotspur, Boo, our least favorite uh, team on this show for reasons that, you know what, we'll make clear another time when we're actually covering Tottenham and Dortmund. Now, the team play in Islington, which is an inner north central borough of London. It's one of the smallest ones. Uh, Population, uh, about 215,000. 
As far as the footy, internationally, 2004-05 season, Champions League, they were runners-up. Couldn't quite pull off the win, but that is the best they have ever done. The last four years of varying points, they have found themselves in the Europa League, and in the 2018-19 season, they actually finished runners-up once again. Domestically, they've won 13 league titles, but it's been pretty close to 20 years since they've won one. Uh, interesting side note about them. They were the first team to ever go unbeaten in a 38-match season. I want to say that was in uh, – oh, that was the 2003-2004 season, I believe. But uh, even more fun side note is that was the first time that anybody had gone undefeated since Prince Preston North End did it all the way back when the top flight in England was a 22-match season, and that was in 1889, not 19, 1889. Last year, Arsenal finished just in eighth place. This year, the stats very much suggest a stronger finish. Uh, Fifth-best offense, defense lags a little bit behind that, to be perfectly honest, but they're pretty well balanced. Overall, they've got the, uh, they're tied for number four in goal differential, which I think is a very key metric to look at. Key players, top 10 league score for them, Emile Smith-Rowe, part of their youth renaissance. He is an attacking midfielder, just 21 years old. Uh, Arsenal have always had his rights. Uh, 2018, he actually made 39 senior team appearances. But then the next two years, he got loaned to uh, RB Leipzig over in Germany's Bundesliga and Huddersfield Town over here in England. And he's already earned two national team caps, which is really something for a guy who's so young. As far as his strength, it's his quickness. and He's sneaky quick. His body type, he doesn't look like he will be, but he is both with and without the ball. So he's somebody that you can look for off the ball to be making strong moves. Now, on the defensive side, tied for second best in the league in terms of clean sheets is goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale. 23 years old, again, another youngin. Uh, last year, he was with Sheffield United. He's already got one national team cap, and he has a special place in Noob's heart because he was also a couple years back with AFC Bournemouth. They were in the Premier League, and uh, they are our favorite team, me and person Noob, the Fighting Cherry. So we love our Aaron Ramsdale. But the best all-around player right now this year might be uh, Gabriel Martinelli, a Brazilian left winger, just 20 years old, youngest of the bunch that we've mentioned. He's already got four goals, two assists. And uh, as far as his strengths, he's very good at passing, but he's really good at tackling. He tracks back and helps take care of things on the defensive side. He's got better than a 70% success rate. And that is really something for a normally offensive uh, minded position. As far as the team's current form. They have won five straight matches with an impressive 19-2 goal differential. But who is coming knocking? Number one, Manchester City, the number three ranked club in Europe right now, behind uh, Bayern Munich from Germany and Real Madrid in Spain. Uh, Interesting fun fact that I found out about them that I hadn't known. In the 1990s, I want to say 92, but take that with a grain of salt, this team actually had dropped all the way down to the third tier, which is uh, League One. I think it might have been called Division One at the time, but six one, half dozen of the other, if you will. And they are the second team ever that has dipped all the way down to the third level of the pyramid, but also won a European trophy. Kind of interesting. 
Last year, very successful season. Uh, they were the Champions League runners-up. They're in it again this year. They're about to play the round of 16 matchup versus uh, Sporting CP or Sporting Lisbon, if you prefer, out of Portugal. Domestically, seven league titles, and they are the defending champions. This year, looking like they're going to do it again, and not just because they're eight p- points up. The stats back it up. Number one offense at over two and a half goals per match. That's insane for this level of football. Also, the number one defense. They've allowed just 12 goals in 20 matches. Uh, Now, as far as key players to look for, they've got two guys on the scoring leaderboard, Bernard Silva and Raheem Sterling, and a lot of folks know everything there is to know about them. Uh, A little bit less known, at least to me, and perhaps you if you are a uh, newer or burgeoning fan, tied for number three in league assists, Gabriel Jesus. Brazilian striker, 24 years old, started his career with one of the most excellent teams down in his homeland, Paul Myras, but he's been here since 2017. He's got 52 national team caps back home, and uh, his strengths, he plays with incredible pace with the ball, and he's very, very good at dribbling. So this is a fast, technical player. They've also got the number one goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets. He's already got 11 from Brazil, the singularly named Ederson. He is very quick off his line, which he was not necessarily early in his career. I find interesting that he was able to adjust his style a little bit. He's now what they call more of a sweeper keeper. But he is also probably the best in the world at playing out of the back. And that's whether he's using his hands or his feet uh, to maneuver the ball to the next position upfield. Their best all-around player going right now might be Rodri. He's a Spanish central midfielder, a little bit more on the defensive side, a 92% passing rate, one of the highest uh, accuracy rates I've ever seen. But guess what? Maybe this is the chink in the armor for Arsenal to try to take advantage of right there in the middle of the field. He happens to be out with COVID, isn't going to be back for another week or so. As far as the team's current form, they have also won five straight with a 19-3 and goal differential. And uh, the three they conceded were actually in a 6-3 win over Leicester City. So if it's possible to be hotter than Arsenal is, well, Manchester City are managing it. Match number B. Thank you for reminding us, as always, daughter dearest person noob, that yes, number ugh, two. Don't you feel filthy just hearing it? It's bathroom talk. Please join us in our revolution to upgrade to polite society with the phrase that is number B. Be sure to use it in your daily lives. Please, new bites, if I may call you as such. In any case, our second match, it match number B, is from the 2020 AFC AFF final, and it is the second leg of a two-legged tie. Here's how all that alphabet soup breaks down. They hold this event every other year, but as you would imagine, because of COVID, they've had to postpone it and postpone it. They finally got it restarted in Singapore. It's usually not at a single site, but this time they wanted to have it all in one place to kind of try to keep the COVID issues contained. They restarted it in early December, and they are finally having their final. The AFC is the Asian Football Confederation. The AFF, I can only answer that with another acronym. That is the ASEAN Football Federation. It's really more of a sub-federation. Basically, this is a sub-confederation that is 12 countries in Southeast Asia. Asia, I believe, is broken into five subgroups, and most or all of them have their own uh, championships. They're not qualifiers for any other event. They just do it for the glory of it and a nice, shiny trophy. So, 
Um, we only had 10 entrants, by the way, in this particular event. Uh, Brunei withdrew, I'm pretty sure, because of COVID. And then Australia, which joined the Asian Football Confederation. I realize they're their own con- continent, obviously. I want to say nine years ago. Take the number with a grain of salt. But the important thing to know is that they did not enter. So the format was two groups of five. They played a single round robin in Singapore. And the top two from each group got to advance to uh, the knockout semifinal round. And the teams that made it through were Thailand and Asia. And even though they're playing this in a neutral site, so you'd think they could just decide this with one match, the point of usually having two legs is so that each team can have a home match. But, hey, who am I to question the AFC? They're playing two. This is the second one. Thailand, one leg, one, four to nil. So Indonesia are really up against it. Interesting side note. I don't know if there's uh, what exactly is implied or meant by all of this other than maybe just literally not being able to fly their flag. But these are the two countries in this subfederation that cannot fly their flag at the event due to anti-doping noncompliance. That doesn't mean that they've been busted on anything. It means that they're not testing enough or testing the right way or whatever the problems may be. Now I read a few, now don't take that to mean that all these players are juiced up or something. A couple of months back I read, and I want to say it was about Indonesia that they had been working hard to appeal it because they said because of COVID and financial resources, whatever, they were just having trouble making all the changes that needed to be made because of new regulations, uh, you know, probably from FIFA or whatever anti-doping uh, agency it is that is managing that for FIFA. So that all aside, getting back to the footy, the series between these two teams in recent years, Thailand have had the best of it with a 5-1-2 and two record. And we will talk about Thailand first. Your favorites, they are the War Elephants. They are ranked number 115 of all national teams for the men in the world. They are ranked number 21 in Asia. And they are considered second best in this region, right behind Vietnam. They have never qualified for a World Cup. And, and yes, if you're getting the impression that this is not one of the stronger uh, sub-federations in Asia, you are correct. But we go everywhere for our soccer. No World Cups. All the way back in 1972, they had their best finish in the Asian Cup, which is the Asian National Championships. Uh, and that year they went number three. 2019, they finished in the round of 16, and that was the first time they'd even qualified in 12 years. Um, They have won this particular event five times since 1996. In 2018, they got to the semifinals, and then they won the two times before that. As far as this year, Thailand won their group, uh, dominating fashion, 4-0-0 with a 10-1 goal differential. Uh, The hosts, Singapore, actually finished behind them on a full three points behind them. Uh, they beat the defending champions, Vietnam, uh, 2-0 and 0-0 in the semifinals and their two-legged semifinal ties. Uh, tied for number one in event scoring, key player to look for, whose name I will probably butcher. I'm going to pronounce it Chanathip Sankrasen. Uh, he's got four goals on the events. He's an attacking midfielder that actually plays his league ball over in Japan for a pretty decent team, Consadole Sapporo. He's got 56 national team caps. I do not know uh, where, if anywhere, you're going to be able to catch like an internet stream, let alone or you know find a satellite channel that's carrying this event, unfortunately. But if you can, you might have to squint to find this guy. He's only five foot two. Tied for number one in event scoring as well with him is their veteran striker, 33-year-old 
Tirasil Dangda. Uh, he plays for one of the Premier League teams there in Thailand, BG Pathum United. Manchester United fans might remember his name, but boy, your memory's got to go deep. They had the rights to him in 2007-2008, but I think he spent almost the entire time uh, loaned out to Grasshopper, which is a uh, sort of a yo-yo team between the first and second division in Switzerland, and he was playing for their reserve team. Uh, He's very good at helping with possession maintenance. I'm hoping to find a stream of this somewhere because he plays a lot further back. He is anything but a poacher standing up by the net. He plays further back and... uh, you know, not quite like a winger or anything to the side. He's still centrally located, but he plays further back and helps with maintenance of the ball. So they're able to maintain, maintain possession close in for a very long time while they work to get their shot. As far as the team's current form, while well, they went 6-1-0 in this event so far, uh, the rest of the year, not quite as successful. They went 0-1-2 in the World Cup qualifiers and then 0-1-2 in their friendlies for the year as well. Now, Indonesia, they are known as Team Garuda. The Garuda is the national emblem of the country. And it is a legendary bird from uh, Hindi, Buddhist, and Jain face. Uh, looks kind of Griffin-esque to me, just to give you an idea. Uh, this team, there's a bit of a gap here. They're only ranked number 164 by FIFA, 34th best in Asia, and only number six in this region. So really good on them for even getting to the final. Uh, the only World Cup they ever qualified for was all the way back in 1930. And that was back when they only played uh, one uh, match necessarily. They went 0-1 and and were right out. Uh, Between 1996 and 2007, they did qualify for four Asian Cups. As far as this event, 2018, they made the group stage. But overall, they have made the finals but never won it five different times, and most recently 2016. It's... Kind of surprising to me that they're not more highly ranked within this region, to be honest. Uh, to get to this final, they beat number seven, Singapore, 1-1, and then 4-2 in added extra time at the semifinal. For their group play, they won Group B with a 3-1-0 record. That tied them with Vietnam on points on the table. They were also tied on goal differential, and the draw was against one another, so they had to go to goals scored for a tiebreaker, and Indonesia had one more there, uh, had uh, scored more, so they got the top seed. But the reason I mentioned all that is interesting. Vietnam's goal differential was 9-0. and They did not concede a goal and yet didn't end up winning the group. Go figure. Top event score for them with three is Irfan Jaya, plays forward with them. Just signed with Bali United, uh, one of the pretty good teams there in the Thai top league. And he's got 16 national team caps to his credit since 2018. Match number three. Another Saturday match keeps us in Asia, and this time we go to Palestine, the West Bank Premier League, which is ranked number 31 of all the leagues in Asia. And our matchup by the table rankings won't seem quite as important as it did uh, just a few weeks ago, but I think things are relatively tight. Tight near the top. In any case, the matchup is number B, Jabal Al Mukabur versus now number five. They were number the four at the time I scouted it. Shabab Al, and I'm going to pronounce it Dahiria. Uh, 
some of these uh, spellings and pronunciations make things interesting for me, especially as a Westerner. D-H-A-H-I-R-I-Y-A. Just a lot of vowels and a couple, uh, <laughs> one too many H's for me. In any case, as far as this league goes, the winner will get to go to the AFC Cup. Note that that is not the AFC Champions League. It is something of a secondary uh, tournament for some of the uh, smaller or less soccer-focused countries in Asia, if you will. They're just about halfway through the season. Here's how the table looked at the time I scouted it. Uh, Jabal Al-Mukaber trail Shabab Al-Khalil by six. That's your, those are your leaders. And then they in turn lead Shabab Al-Dahiria by eight points. Important to note that both of these teams have a match in hand versus the teams around them. And that is all you're going to get from me on this one. As this is the time of podcast, we traditionally turn to our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old Noob Stradamus. Now, uh, when he visited last week, if memory serves, we didn't even get a vision out of him, let alone a result prediction. Sometimes he just kind of goes down his own rabbit hole, but hopefully it's at least entertaining and maybe even a little bit educational. Nevertheless, We want to gamble, so here's to hoping that this week he's taken the proper drugs so that he can touch the quote-unquote universal infinite or whatever he does. Take it away, almighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Welcome to 2022 by your current calendar. Another trip around the Sun Star begins. More opportunities await for me to predict footy results for you. Last year, I admit I was off. What should have been was only what might have been. Now, we can begin again. Or we can try. Noob, I have to confess. I had to check to see if you were pulling my leg on this match. But it really is Shabab al-Mukhaber versus Shabab al Darhiya Dairaya Look, I don't know how that town name is correctly pronounced, but it straight up looks like Diarrhea <laughs> I, I I know this program rarely if ever runs blue it run brown this time. <laughs> Forgive me, but it straight up looks like number two. And person noob, I can say number two instead of number B, because this club name looks like number two. <laughs> okay, okay. I've smoked some lotus leaves. I am... Traveling through space and time. Whee! <laughs> Noob, I just can't. If I try to do this, I'm only going to make bad jokes. Like, the score will be 2-2 two to two as they both drop hot deuces on one another. <laughs> Let's just pick this up again next week. Uh... <clears throat> but I still expect my weekly shipped allotment of loose prescription pills and fresca. I haven't seen. I have spoken. And I have cut the cheese. 
Match number four. Can you believe it, Person Noob? That is the second week in a row that we are not getting any kind of vision or result prediction out of Noob Stradamus. I keep sending him his fresco like I'm supposed to every week. And just because that club name has a funny looking name to him, he is not going to help us out with our gambling. How am I supposed to pay for your college? One, that problem is already solved. And two, I do not know what to do about Nipstradamus. Yeah, me neither. Just because Dahiria, I think that's how it's pronounced, looks like, well, I'm going to say number B. Or can we call it number two or number number B in this instance? What's the protocol? Number B to the extreme. We can't call it we can't call it number two, even though what he thinks the club name looked like is number two. I just want to clarify, you're still standing strong with number B here on this one. Yes. Okay, yes. That's a yes from person noob. Number B. very good. Always number B. She never gives up on the revolution. Anyway, match number four. Another Saturday match. I'm such a good dad. Um, <laughs> comes to us from Africa. We're going to go down to Ghana to their Premier League. It is ranked number 23 on the continent. They only rank 32 of the countries there. There are a number of them, about another 22 or 23, that just don't get enough international competition or any to really be ranked. In any case, the winner of this league, only sends its champion to the Champions League and has to start in the first round. And they're about a third of the way through the season here. Still fairly early. Nevertheless, your matchup, number one, Aduana Stars taking on number B, Asante Kotoko. Uh, I couldn't find much for a recent series between the two. 1-1-0 uh, in favor of the Stars was what I did find. Uh, again, it's early, but things are very, very tight. These two are tight on points and goal differential. Adwana Stars have the number one crown right now because they have scored three more goals. Also important to note that another team called King Faisal also are tied with them on points. They're just two back on goal differential. Also important to note that Asante Kotoko, your visitors today in number B in the league, have a match in hand against the other two teams. Now, we'll talk about Adwana Stars first. Their nickname is Ogia, which I think in one of the local dialects means fire. Uh, they were founded in 1985 and were the first club to win the Premier League in their very first try. Now, they didn't start in the Premier League, but when they did go up, they, they won it that very first time. They have won two titles, so that first time was 2010, and then they also won it in 2017. They play in the city of Dorma Ahenkro, which is right on the border with uh, Ivory Coast. Uh, it's in the west uh, central part of the country as far as being on the border, a uh, city of about a million people. Footy-wise, they have never made it past the Champions League first round in the only two appearances they've ever made. In the 2018 iteration, they dropped down to the Confederation Cup, which is very much like the Europa, Le uh, the Europa League in Europe. Uh, they got to drop down to the group stage of that, but they didn't get any further. Last year, they finished number four in the league. This year, the offense is where they've been shining, scoring over one and a half goals per match. The offense doesn't look very good, or the defense, rather, on paper. They're tied only for number eight in that regard. But this is not a really high-scoring league, to be perfectly honest. They still, even though they're only tied for eighth in defense, they give up less than one goal per match on average. So they are tied for number one overall in goal differential. Leading the way on scoring, tied for number three 
in that regard and assists is Emmanuel Giamfi, and he used to play for Asante Kotoko, interestingly. As far as the team's current form, they just had a six-match win streak snapped with an 0-1 loss at number 7 Mediyama. Now we'll talk about Asante Kotoko. They are known as the Porcupine Warriors, <laughs> one of the coolest crests around. Big old Porky on there. Uh, they play in Kumasi in the Ashanti region. Uh, the city is the second largest in the country, about three and a half million people in the south central part of the nation. Uh, this is the sixth most popular club in all of Africa, and they are sixth ranked by the CAF, which is Africa's Football Confederation. English fans will have some perhaps um, affiliation with this club or knowledge of it because the team is affiliated with Sunderland. They uh, help them with their coaching and managing techniques and probably some finances and academy work and other things. That agreement's been in place for uh, right about a decade now. This team has won 24 league titles, although the most recent one was back in 2014. So they're in a, kind of a mini drought, if you will. Internationally, they have won the Champions League twice, although the most recent of those was in 1983, to be honest. Uh, they've made a bunch of appearances here in the 2000s, but never made it any further than the group stage in any of them. Last year, they finished in second place in the league. This year, number three offense, Tied for number one on defense, uh, they only give up. Uh, they've only given up rather six goals in their ten matches, and they are the other team that is tied for number one on goal differential. Tied for number three and assists, their best offensive player because he's also the team's leading scorer is Isaac Opong. And then on the other side of things, tied for second best in goalkeeping as far as clean sheets is Razak Abalora. He started his senior career at the tender age of 16 with a different Division I team in this country called WAFA, acronym W-A-F-A, which is an academy, uh, academy of Feyenoord of the Netherlands. So you've got a lot of international influence down here. And uh, the team is 2-1-0 in their last three. Match number five. Now we get to... Flip the calendar page to Sunday for a match in Europe. The Coupe de France is in its round of 32. The winner of this event will get to go to the Europa League, the second highest international club tournament in Europe, and get to start right at the group stage. Normally I do this with England's FA Cup, but they are off this week. So this week I'm doing it with France, and I'm looking for a match that involved two teams that were from as far down the country's pyramid of leagues as I could possibly find. And the matchup that I've selected is FC Versailles 78. They are playing host and they play out of the fourth, uh, fourth best league in France. And they are hosting La Roche VF, which is from one level further down. Number five, we'll talk about Versailles 78 first, a little bit about the uh, city. It's a name that we're all pretty familiar with. Uh, modern Versailles Paris has gotten big enough that it is now just a, uh, a wealthy suburb, not really a, a completely a city in its own regard. Area is about 85,000, perhaps most famous for the Chateau Versailles, a very famous building, but something I didn't know about it is that when all three bodies of Congress get together to make amendments or changes to the Constitution, this former famous royal residence is where they go to do that. So very fancy. I would want to try to have votes on, uh, you know, votes all the time, whether or not I really wanted them to go through. This club was formed in 1989, but its roots run deeper. In 89, uh, Racing Club Versailles and Companion Sports Versailles, two different clubs, merged. Also worth noting, kind of fun, this club is an official academy of, academy of the French uh, Football Association. Uh, 
Uh, the team was just promoted from the Championnat 3, which is the fifth division. So they are now in the Championnat 2. So they finished in first place last year. Last year, they also had quite a run in the Coupe de France. This event, they made the round of 16. This year's iteration, last round, they're out of 64. They beat a level five team, U.S. SAR Union, nil to one. And so the they will get to host this particular match due to the luck of the draw. And their stadium is Stade de Montbaron, which holds uh, just over 6,000 people. Now, the league that they're in right now, Championnat 2, is divided into four uh, geographical regional leagues. The one that they're in, Group A, they're in second place in that right now behind uh, Lorient's reserve team. Lorient is a League One team, and then their reserve team plays a couple of levels down. Only the winner is going to get promoted out of this league. Uh, but I don't know if the reserve teams from the League One teams can move up necessarily. So who knows? This team might already be in position in league play to do that. This year in their league, they have the fifth best offense, but it's the defense where they get things done. They've only given up eight goals in 14 matches. But as far as the scoring, a possible man in the match, scoring leaderboard for them with eight goals on the year is Christopher Ibayi. And now La Roche. The town they play on has a little bit longer name, or in rather, is La Roche-sur-Yon, hyphenated. It's in the far west central part of the country, but not quite on the coast. City of about 55,000 people. Here's where my lack of French is really going to get me in trouble. They play in what I'm going to phonetically pronounce as the Pays de la Loire region in the Vendée or Vendée department. It ends with two E's and there's an accent mark in there. Uh, it was actually named Napoleonville for a time back in history. Back in his day, it was filled with new people by him after the area was largely eradicated in the Vendée or Vendée counter-revolution. Now, as far as the footy and this event specifically, I think they got this far, the round of 32 back in 2017-18. And so this year, right now, they're tied for the best they've ever done. Last round in the round of 64, they beat level 7 Montuban FCTG 1-2. A little bit about their league championnat 3, the fifth level, is actually 12 groups of 14 teams each. It is huge. Uh, in their group right now, they're in second place. That despite the fact that they're undefeated, but they do have two matches in hand versus the teams around them. So they really are the team to beat. Uh, technically, they trail a team called Sawmer by one point right now. Only one team is going to get promoted out of each of these groups. So I'm sure they're focused on the Coupe de France, but you know, I can't imagine they'd rest anybody, but I'm sure they really want to win the league and uh, move up. This year in league play, number one offense averaging exactly three goals per match and then tied for number one on defense. They don't even give away one per match. And tied for number one in league scoring for them to look for in the box score is Jeremy Billy with 13 goals. Our Wrath of the Kitten sounder can only mean one thing, and that is that it is time for us to take a break from our current tracking duties and take a look back at last week's episode. Let us do a recap. Match number one from last week, we went to Honduras as Liga Nacional. It was the Apertura final, the second leg of their two-legged tie in the playoffs. Number one, Real España took on number three, Olympia, and it was Olympia coming out on top nil one, which means that they win on aggregate three to one. Congratulations to them. And the man of the match was the guy we said to look for. So, hey, congratulations to us. Jerry Bingston had the goal. 
Match number B was from Algeria's League One. Number B, U.S. Biskra took on number one, C.R. Beluizdad. And it was Beluizdad coming out on top, nil one. That knocks Biskra down to number three. Saturday, match number three was from Turkey's Super League. Number one, Trabzonspor took on number three, Istanbul, Basak Sahir. And the result was a nil-nil draw, so there was no change in table position there. Match number four from Nepal's Martyrs A Division. Number one, Manang Marshyangdi, one of our favorite teams here, taking on number B, Mahindra. And it was Mahindra coming out on top, nil-one. And they are now number one in the league. The two of them switched positions. Sunday, match number five from Guatemala's Liga Nacional, Apertura Stage. The second leg of a two-legged tie in the semifinal. Number one, Antigua GFC played host to number four, Malacateco, and the result was a 1-1 draw, but that means that Malacateco get to advance. They win on aggregate 3-1. Good luck to them in the final. Match number six from Australia's A-League men. Number three, Melbourne Victory took on number B, Western United. Melbourne Victory won the match 3-1. to one. Players we said to look for played key roles. Diagostino had a goal. Margiota had an assist. And the two of them switched table positions. Match number seven from the Premier League of Kuwait. Number one, Katsma took on number B, Kuwait SC. It was a nil-nil draw. Nobody changed positions in the table. Match number eight from the Premier League in Libya. Number B, Olympic Azawaya took on number one, Oswali, and it was Oswali coming out on top, nil two. So the two of them are now tied for number one on points and goal differential. Uh, Azawaya are still listed as number one because they have scored three more goals, but there's a lot of season to go up there. Match number nine was the Thursday match out of the Primera Liga in Portugal. Number one, FC Porto, taking on number three, Benfica, in a battle of two of the big three in that country. Historically, Porto came out on top three to one. Uh, Otavio had an assist for Porto, guy we said to look for. Possible man of the match, Rafa Silva, had a goal for Benfica. There was no change in table position here. Match number 10 was to be from Egypt's Premier League. Number one, Al-Ali, taking on number B, Pyramids. FC, but that match was postponed. And then with explanations coming later, these are our bonus matches. Tuesday's route of the week from the Premier League of Benin from Group D, number one, Ayema, took on number nine, Avranco Omnisport, and it was actually pretty close. Not a route at all. Ayema just won 1-0. Then the most meaningless match in the world, a Wednesday match from India's Super League. We saw number five, ATK Moen Bagan FC taking on number eight, FC Goa. Moen Bagan won 2-1, and that actually takes them all the way up to number three. Key men that we said to look for played key roles. Roy Krishna had the game-winning goal, and he was assisted by Hugo Bomos or Bomo. And then for FC Goa, Jorge Ortiz had a goal, although we did say to keep an eye on him more for assists. And then finally, the match of disappointment was a Saturday match from the United Arab Emirates Pro League. Number 13, All Oruba took on last place. Number 14, Emirates Club, and it was a shootout. They left their defenses behind, and it was Oruba, Oruba coming out on top, 4-2. to two. This did not lead to any change in table position there. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number 6. Another Sunday match, and it is a big one. We're going back to the Premier League in England. First, we had number four, 
versus number one. Well, this is going to be a big weekend for shaping the top of the league because there's another matchup right here. Number B, Chelsea versus number three, Liverpool. But this time, since we've already talked about the Premier League a little bit, I just thought I'd find one fun fact and then we could move on for brevity's sake. It's a little did you know. Uh, did you know that there is a company in Port Washington, Wisconsin, it's called Allen Edmonds, and no, they're not giving us any money, unfortunately, that makes something called Liverpool suede Chelsea boots. I can't quite determine if that Liverpool is an incredibly dark brown color, if it's a black color, or if it means something else entirely. Uh, but Chelsea boots I was familiar with, at least in name. Uh, you can get these for about 200 bucks if you <laughs> make a lot more on your podcast than we do here. Uh, if you're not as familiar, they're close-fitting high ankle boots with an elastic side panel. Sounds fancy. They often have a loop or a tab of fabric on the back of the boot, enabling the boot to be pulled on. I don't know if it was the first style of boot in modern times to really ever do that, but I think it's uh, somewhat unique or was at first because the boot dates all the way back to the Victorian area era rather when it was worn by both men and women. So no footy knowledge for you on this one whatsoever, but a little bit of footwear. Match number seven. Lucky number seven is our last weekend match. We come closer to home this time to CONCACAF, specifically Guatemala. The Liga Nacional is in their Apertura stage. Latin American countries usually have two stages to their soccer year, the Apertura and Clausura stages, sort of mini seasons. This is the first of those, Apertura or opening, and they are having their playoff final. And in fact, it is the second leg of a home and away two-legged tie. Uh, this is just the ninth ranked league in all of CONCACAF, but still that's good enough that they uh, max out by getting three CONCACAF league berths for international play. I note as always that that for you, that that is not the CONCACAF Champions League, that the CONCACAF League is a feeder tournament to that other one. In any case, your matchup is number two, Comunicaciones, taking on number four, Deportivo Malacateco. Uh, it was Malacateco that won the first leg at their place 2-0. But Comunicaciones have definitely uh, had their number usually as they lead the series in recent years with a 27, 11, and 10 record. And we will talk about them first. They're down two goals. Comunicaciones playing out of the capital city of Guatemala City. Uh, interesting in that by uh, getting to the final, they had to beat a team called Municipal. And both of the matches in that home and away two-legged tie finished at nil-nil. Couldn't find any evidence that they played at an extra time or that they uh, went to penalty kicks. I think I've seen it in Mexico before, and it might happen in other Latin American countries in certain playoff formats, that if everything is even, then the higher seed simply advances. It is up to the lower seeded team to actually get out there and beat the higher seeded one. And Municipal were not the number one team, so Comunicado. Comunicaciones advanced. And why not? They are uh, the holder of the most domestic league titles in the country, having won 30. Last year was a really good year for them. In the 2020-21 Clausura stage, they won their group in the regular season. They finished second best in the league playoffs. And then they went on to the CONCACAF League and won that, qualifying them for the CONCACAF Champions League. 
Uh, players to look for top 10 scorer Leonard Garcia. He's an attacker, just 21 years old. He's already in his fifth senior season of play, been doing it since he was 16. The other two players, I don't have any information on them, but I hadn't noticed them before. Uh, this team has two U.S. dual citizenship players. I don't think either of them are starters, but who knows? You can file these away, and if they ever make it to MLS or somewhere, you can think, hey, I knew those guys. Nicolas Samayoa and Alan Yanes are their names. Uh, the teams formed, they are just 0-1-2 and in their last three, so fading maybe a little bit here at the end. Meanwhile, Malacateco, they are the Toros, the Bulls, playing out of Malacatan, which we talked about them last week in the semifinal. I thought the most interesting thing about where they were from is they're kind of in the northwest part of the country, right on a border, a little, little sliver of Mexico, and there's a little village there right next to Malacateco called El Carmen that is still a huge border crossing point and used to allegedly be a gigantic drug uh, drug trafficking point for getting things across the border for the Sinaloa cartel. Back to the footy. They just re-returned to the top flight for the second time in 2010. The first time they made it was in 2007, and that was 45 years after they were first founded. It took them a long time. Last year, the 2020-2021 Clausura, uh, they finished just number five in their group. So this is just a huge jump up for them. Uh, this year, statistically, tied for second best in offense, one and a half goals per match, uh, tied for number four on defense, and good for the number four overall goal differential. And they have got the number one league leading scorer on their side, Eduardo Rotondi. He's a homegrown midfielder. Uh, the team's form is much stronger than their opponents today. They are 3-1-0 in their last four with a 6-1 and goal differential. Match number eight. After a weekend like that, I think you deserve a break. So we'll take a couple days off from our official tracking. Skip on forward to Wednesday where we'll pick things up in Iraq, the Premier League. This is the number 13 ranked league in all of Asia. That's down four from a year ago. Puts them between uh, Tajikistan and Vietnam, the number one team in Southeast Asia, just to lend some kind of inter-confederation uh, perspective there. They're almost halfway through the season. This particular league, their champion, of course, gets to go to the Champions League, and they get to start in the group stage. Their uh, second-place team does not. They get to go to international competition, but they go to the AFC Cup group stage. The matchup we're going to look at is number B. I'm going to pronounce it all Zarea because it ends with two A's and it has an apostrophe in the middle, and hope I'm getting that right. And they are taking on number one, Al Shorta. Shorta right now lead by 11. Now, uh, Zarea have a match in hand, but given that they're about halfway through the season, it seems like Al Shorta really have things in hand. So getting to international play at all is probably really the goal for uh, Zarea any chance of getting back into the title race, they've got to get three points for the, on this Wednesday. Zarea in turn lead Alkua Aljawaya. That's all one club by a single point, And then two other teams by just three. Uh, Zarea, they are known as the gulls. I find their crest very interesting because it has a wigged, uh, wigged, a winged figure on it, but not a bird. It is a, uh, a Pegasus-like creature, a winged horse on the crest. Uh, they play out of the city of Baghdad, the capital, of course. Uh, a district or city within that called Utefia in the Kark District. Uh, the Kark District is uh, in the west half of uh, the Baghdad metro. It's on the west shore of the Tigris. And the city's name means citadel. 
If any of this is familiar to you, it's because uh, you know your history from, I guess, the 1990s well enough. Uh, the U.S. Green Zone was in this district. They have won 14 league titles, which is the most of the country's history, uh, most recently in 2017, 2018. As far as the Champions League, the best they've ever done is fourth place. That was back in 96 and 97. Uh, the last two years, they also made it, but they were out by the second qualifying round. Last year in league play, they finished in second place. Offense is good. Defense is very good. Tied for second best in that regard, and they give up just barely more than a goal every other match on average. Tied for number B in league scoring is a man whose name I'm sure to butcher because he's from Algeria. So once again, uh, <laughs> the French is going to get me. I'm going to pronounce it Lahuari Twil, T-O-U-I-L. He is their striker, and he has eight goals on the season. The team's current form, they are 1-2-1 one, and one in their last four. And meanwhile, you're likely champions somewhat in waiting. Al Shorta, they play in the area of Rusafa, which is on the east side of Baghdad. They have an interesting nickname of the Harp. Now, they're not the only club in the world that are the Harp or the Harps, but it's interesting how they got the nickname. Back in the early 90s, there was a very famous TV presenter who described uh, their style of play as being very beautiful, like harp tunes. And so they actually adopted that as a nickname, strangely enough to me. Anyway, they've won the Premier League title four different times. 2018-2019 uh, was the most recent time. I couldn't find anything for international results for them. I have a feeling this was because at the most of the time that they've been uh, qualifying uh, possibly for international play, uh, that their FA or their club uh, was not able to get them an AFC Champions League license. Probably has something to do with the home ground. In any case, last year they finished in fourth place. This year, undefeated so far, 14-2-0, number one offense, scoring twice per match on average, tied for second best on defense, and they have the number one goal differential by almost a factor of two over anybody else in the country. Uh, number one league-leading scorer is theirs to boast of, Mahmoud Al-Mawas. He is their attacking midfielder. He's always played in the Middle East, and I believe specifically for Iraqi clubs, and yet kind of at least strangely to me, just because it's an anomaly. Last year, he was in Europe, played with a club called Bodasani in Romania, but now he's back home again. And he has earned 18 national team caps uh, with, the with the national team since 2012. As far as the team's current form, uh, they won six straight matches with a 12-2 and two goal differential. Match number nine. Another Wednesday match, and it takes us back to Africa, to the country of Benin their championnat national or premier league. I gather that the two names are kind of used interchangeably. In any case, the league is ranked number 27 in all, all of Africa. Just their champion gets to go to the champions league. And this league is huge. Four groups of nine. Uh, the top three from each of the groups move on to the next phase. They will have essentially form their own league play. I believe a single round Robin to determine who gets to move on to the champions league. The key matchup from one of the groups is uh, number B, A.S. Cotonou versus number one, Coton Sport Oida. And it is Coton Sport Oida leading by six at this point. That's all we're going to cover for the match. We did Benin somewhat recently. I'm going to take this as an opportunity as I do most every episode to use it as a bit of a culture break. Now, uh, 
normally I like to talk about uh, food, like to pull up a recipe, something from the region, even the uh, district or city of the home team. But instead, we're going to do something a little bit different this time and learn something about music in Benin. Back in 1972, uh, Mathieu, or Matthew, I'm not sure of the French, Caracou, his government came into power. He was president, ran a largely Marxist-Leninist regime, and many forms of music were inhibited, but folk music was specifically encouraged. He was pushing for a sort of a nationalism thing. So it became up to artists like Tohon stand to adapt traditional styles to something a little bit more uh, modern and better, at least for home listening. This included a style called, I'm going to pronounce it, uh, Chinkome, T-C-H-I-N-K-O-U-M-E with an apostrophe over it, which was largely a funereal music style for funerals that, uh, was at least at one time in one region of the country only used at royal funerals. Really interesting. And one of the unique qualities of this is that it uses water percussion very heavily. And at first, when I first saw that phrase, I assumed it had to do with, uh, you know, making water drip into glasses or using nature sounds or something like that. But it turns out it is a style of percussion instrument. Uh, the one I found uh, online most easily was actually from Mali, but I imagine it's largely the same most anywhere you go, at least in generality. Um, on a wooden stand is a uh, flipped over uh, wooden bowl, probably only about a half inch or so thick, uh, thick made up of uh, light wooden strips was the one I saw. And then you fill this bowl about oh halfway up or so with water. And then in the middle of that, you put a gourd, like a, a calabash. I suppose in some areas they could use uh, you know, pumpkins or other things. Calabash was the one I saw. And then you can make a whole variety of different sounds on this because of the water. If you're tapping it near the bottom, you get one sound. If you tap it you know, right where the water line is, you're getting another one. You can tap it up near the top for another sound. You can tap it on the actual top edge for something else. Or you can play the gourd right in the middle and get a variety of very, very interesting clicks and knocks and other sorts of sounds that uh, was really quite beautiful. And uh, considering it was used for funerals, not as slow paced as I would have thought. In any case, so we're what we're hearing right now is some music from Tohon Stand, and I realize that for modern ears, this may not be something that becomes your all-time favorite. But just listen for a few seconds for the sound, percussive sounds that are being made, either uh, with water percussion instrumentation or uh, with more modern instruments, but that are supposed to be stylized after that more uh, folk sound. And match number 10, we're done. Finally. Yes, finally, but boy, are we ending on a doozy of a match, Person Noob. It's a Thursday match for number 10 from Italy's Serie A. This is the number three ranked league in all of Europe. As such, they max out on their international berths. They get four teams into the Champions League. Their fifth place finisher will go to the Europa League. And the sixth place team will go to the Europa Conference League, the new tertiary international club tournament in Europe. And your matchup is going to be number five, Juventus, taking on and playing host to number three, Napoli. 
I recommend catching this one on television, Paramount Plus or CBS SN. It's going to be on at 2.45 in the afternoon. Uh, Juventus in recent years have accumulated a 15-6-9 record against Napoli. So it looks like the advantage there, but Napoli have 39 points to the table. Atalanta are just behind them at 38, and then you find Juventus a few back at 34. And like most of the major European leagues, they're about halfway through the season. Juventus, they play out of the city of Turin in the northwest uh, part of the country. Exciting for them. They get to host the Eurovision Song Contest this year. Here's to hoping Will Ferrell and uh, Rachel McAdams uh, as Fire Saga. Maybe they'll make a sequel to their uh, first movie by that Eurovision Song Contest name. Uh, This is the number four UEFA-rated club. They have 36 titles to their credit domestically. They'd won nine in a row up until last year. Funny how losing Cristiano Ronaldo will have an effect on hoisting trophies. Uh, Two Champions League titles to their credit, but they haven't won it since 95-96. They did get to the final as recently as 2016-17. They're about to face Villarreal in the Champions League round of 16, uh, that team from Spain. Last year in league play, they finished in fourth place. This year, still feeling the effects of the loss of CR7. They are only tied for number 11 on offense, scoring less than one and a half goals per match, which is actually not too bad. This is a very high-scoring league this year. And so their defense has been serving them well because they have been letting in fewer than one goal per match, putting them at number three in that regard. This is largely due to the efforts of their top five goalkeeper, uh, Wojciech Szczesny. He's from Poland, seven clean sheets. Uh, He spent the biggest stints of his career, uh, I believe, at Arsenal. 60 national team appearances for Poland since 2009, and he is still active for them. Strong reflexes, technically sound. But here's what I want you to look for if you're watching this game on TV. It's what I'm going to be looking for anyway. Look for high balls. That's where he tends to have trouble. If Napoli gets a lot of set pieces, they will not be firing anything you know, at head level or doing anything like that. They are going to be lobbing in high shots all afternoon long on this goalie. Now, their best all-around player, in my opinion, is Paulo uh, Dybala. He's an Argentinian center forward. He's got five goals, three assists. He could be shooting a little bit more for a striker, but he is an excellent passer and a very physical tackler, so a very well-rounded player. And we have a USA connection. Weston McKinney of the U.S. men's national team plays midfielder for them. Uh, he has made 26 appearances for the team since joining them last year and uh, managed three goals in that time. As far as the team's current form, they are 5-1-0 in their last six with a 10-1 goal differential. Now, Napoli, I never knew this. They've got a really cool nickname, the Parthenopians, uh, which is named after uh, the siren, uh, the lead siren, if you will, who tried to lure Odysseus uh, to his death in the book of the Odyssey. Uh, she killed herself in the story, and then her body washed up on Napoli or Naples. And uh, just to give you some geographical perspective, uh, everybody talks about Italy as a boot. So basically, imagine where the top of the boot would likely be, and that's where Naples, Naples is there on the West Coast. I had thought it was a little further south. Anyway, they are rated number 20 in Europe, right between Lyon, your defending French league champs that are struggling this year, quite honestly, and Leipzig from over in Germany. 
They've won the league title twice, but not since 1989, 1990-2019 uh, Champions League. That was the last appearance they made there, and they made the round of 16. That's tied for the best they've ever done internationally. They're about to play Barcelona in the round of 32 in the Europa League, and they did win the Europa League, by the way, back in 88-89. Last year in league play, they finished in fifth place. This year, offense is good. It's top four at almost two goals per, but number one on defense. They've only given up 14 goals in 19 matches, and that's good for second-best overall goal differential for them. Key match for them, and this is of a particular U.S. interest, or maybe I should say Canadian interest, on the assist leaderboard for this team is Lorenzo Insigne. He's a winger, 30 years old, and it looks like he is about to sign for Toronto FC for a record amount of cash in Major League Soccer, like twice as much as anybody else has ever netted. I think I heard on the radio uh, today on Jason Davis's United uh, United States of Soccer program, uh, that he was guaranteed to net, not gross, but net $13 million per season. It was something like a three- or a five-year contract. Just insane. But I think their all-around best player is actually the singularly named uh, Fabian. He is their Spanish central defensive midfielder, 25 years old. Uh, spent a fair amount of time over in his home country's La Liga with Real Betis and Elche. Decent tackler, 92% passer. This is a guy who does not make mistakes when the ball is in the back third, whether he's starting a counterattack or just getting the ball out of trouble. He knows exactly what to do with it all the time. Team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three. And all three of their last three games have been very low 1-0 uh, results. Bring forth the bonus matches! Ah, uh, yes, my favorite part of the show, perhaps. And if so, it is because you get to help determine what the content is. How so? Well, here's how it starts. You get on Twitter. My handle is Soccer Noob USA. The first couple days of every week, I put up polls with the candidate matches for these three very unique matches. They're not usually number one versus number B face-offs or anything like that. They're all a little bit different. You vote, magic content happens. It's dreamy. The first matchup is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world that we dramatically call the... Route. Route. Route route of 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 the week 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 and the one you selected is a wednesday match from the african country of togo their championnat national national is the top flight this league is tied for just number 27 in all of africa it is the second to last of the ranked teams but that probably puts them average overall for the continent they just get uh, their champion into the champions league and that's it two teams are going to get relegated at the end of the year uh, the top three teams from each of the four groups are going to move on to the champion uh, championship round in this league. It's pretty early in their season. And by the way, we talked about a match from uh, Benin earlier very briefly before we got into the music. Togo, give you geographical perspective, is the country that I believe is just west of there. And your matchup from their group B is number eight, Ifaja, taking on number B, Kara, and I'm pretty sure I'm getting that first pronunciation right. It's I-F-O-D-J-E. In any case, um, 
I realized technically that is not a first versus last place matchup. When I first scouted this, Kara were number one, but they got passed uh, by ASKO de Kara in the interim for the number one spot. And I believe those two were both the playoff finalists from last year, in fact. Um, as far as between all the groups, Ifoja uh, is the worst team in the entire league. Uh, Kara are the second best team in the entire league. Ifoja trail Sara Sport by two, and then Kara trail ASKO by two. Now, uh, let's talk about your roadkill in waiting first. Ifoja, they play out of the city of uh, Atakpame, which is in the south-central part of the country. It's about the fifth biggest in the nation, has maybe 100,000 people. It's about 100 miles north of the capital city of Lome. Uh, they did win the league, actually, once, but that was all the way back in 1990. That experience won't help them much, I don't think, in this particular match. Uh, last year... I really couldn't find anything, so I'm presuming they just got promoted back. Hey, you tried to find second division information out of West Africa in a hurry. I dare you, and then do your own podcast. You might have fun. In any case, this is the only winless team in their group. They are 0-2-4 with a 2-7 goal differential. Worth noting that that defense is actually, uh, one goal per match, is actually pretty average for this league. Their form, they are 0-2 in one of their last three, and their draws were nil-nil draws. Uh, meanwhile, Kara coming to town, you're likely victors in waiting. Uh, that city is on the eastern border. It's about a third of the way down from the northeast corner. That's a city that's just maybe a little bit larger than their opponents, uh, 100,000. And I'm always impressed when cities like this you know, are fielding, uh, you know, professional or even high-end amateur, you know, soccer teams in top leagues, because this is an area that the economy is predominantly just subsistence agriculture, to be honest. Uh, yet they won the league back in 2018-19. Last year, they finished in second place to, as I mentioned, ASKO de Cara. They are one of two undefeated teams in this group and one of three in the entire league with a 3-3-0 record. Uh, they're tied for number one on offense, one and a half goals per match on the dot, tied for number one on defense. They only let in one every other match, and they have the number one goal differential still despite having fallen into second place. But their form is just 1-3-0 and in their last four, three draws in there. So maybe a little bit of a chink of armor and having to go on the road, who knows? Maybe we could see an upset. Usually for the uh, this particular match throughout of the week, I predict it's either going to be 4-0 or 0-4, but I think that this one will be closer. The Kara are still likely to win, but maybe only by a score of like 0-2. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Most every podcast talks about the best teams and the best matchups out there, but we are the podcast that has a heart to shine a spotlight on two teams, more or less smack dab in the middle of their top flight table, perfectly equidistant from births in glorious international tournaments, or on the other hand, in last place or close enough to last place 
that they are in the relegation zone, perhaps about to be kicked out of their league, maybe even never to be seen by the likes of civilized man again. Yes, the most meaningless match in the world. You have voted for a Friday match out of the United Arab Emirates. Second week in a row that we're going there, but although the other time was for the match of disappointed, uh, the UAE Pro League is the number eight rated league in all of Asia. As such, they get one Champions League group stage berth. Uh, two other teams also get to go to the Champions League, but they have to start a little bit further back, the playoff round. On the other end of the spectrum, two of the 14 teams of this league will get relegated at the end of the year. And they're almost halfway through the season. Matchup we're going to look at, number nine, Korfakan versus number eight, Al-Itihad Kalba. Maybe the only time you'll ever hear these two teams talked about all year long anywhere. We endeavor to be unique. Uh, the two teams are tied in the table, just separated by goal differential. They're both about six points off the pace for the final international berth slot, which is third place, held by Shabab Al-Ali. And then they are both eight points ahead of second to last place, number 13, Al-Oruba. I like saying that because O-R-O-O-B-A. And again, that was one of the two entrants in last week's match of Disappointed. Apparently, you folks like the Emirates. And what's not to like? Let's talk about Corficon first. They are the Eagles, and I love, love, love their crest. It is, I'm going to call it a guitar pick-shaped crest, but... Uh, it expands outside of those borders just slightly. There's sort of a sketched outline of an eagle's head shape coming out of it. And then, I don't know that it quite matches or not, but it's certainly unique. It's got about three quarters of a of a single eyeball showing there, but it's a soccer ball. It's not nightmare fuel, but it is kind of weird. Uh, before 2017, this team was known by Al-Khalij, which means Bay, B-A-Y in Arabic. Uh, the city is an exclave in the northwest of the Emirate of Sharjah. An exclave, in case you don't happen to be familiar, means that it is completely surrounded by some other area or geographic areas other than the one that it is politically a part of. It is entirely surrounded, in this case, by the Emirate of Fujairah. Um, the city is the only deep sea port in this entire region, so it is incredibly important, and tourists love it here. This is the part that has the white sand beaches and a lot of marine life, making it a really popular tourist spot. And it's only a city of about 40,000 is all. They came back up to Division One just two years ago, 2019. They had been out since 2008, and they are definitionally a yo-yo team. They have won Division Two and come back up six different times since their founding in 1981. Last year, they finished in 10th place. This year, to be honest, I don't think they're going to climb any higher than they are. They're really below average on offense and defense. Uh, what hopes they have, perhaps, hang on the feet of assist leader, uh, or a man on the assist leaderboard for the league, I should say, uh, Dodo. Uh, the O, he's Brazilian. The second O has a diacritical mark over it that I don't know what to do with, but Dodo's what he's getting today. And he plays attacking midfielder. Uh, for most of his career, Atletico Monairo in his homeland had his rights, but they almost always loaned him out, including uh, the two years prior to this one to this team. But now he's here on a full-time contract. The most 
average player that they have. I like to look at the ratings for the most meaningless match and see who is right in the middle just for fun. And that is Osama Rashid. He is an Iraqi central midfielder for them. He actually, uh, European footy fans, if your knowledge runs deep enough, you may recognize his name. He spent the biggest chunk of his career with a Portuguese team that I also think kind of yo-yos. They're in the top flight this year, uh, Santa Clara. Uh, he's a pretty solid passer, but I think he's only tried like 13 crosses on the year and only one of them was accurate. So for a central midfielder, if you're going to be trying to get the ball into the scoring position, you've got to be more accurate than he's been. Team's current form, they have lost three straight with a 1-10 goal differential. Meanwhile, Kalba coming to town. They are known as the Tigers. Geographically, they are very, very close at hand. Uh, their city is also an exclave in the northeast part of the country. Uh, in the eastern part of Shar in the Emirate of Sharjah. Uh, their city is about the same size, 40,000. The water's not nearly as deep there. It's not really an important port city. It's far better known for the nature reserve just to the south of it, including a really, really impressive mangrove swamp. So much shallower water in that particular area. In any case, this is another yo-yo team. They've won the second division title seven times, most recently in 2013-14. So they have had a bit of a run here in the top flight. Last year, they finished in eighth place. That's easily the best they've ever done. They've never finished in the top of the uh, this uh, pro league. Uh, they are amongst the worst teams in the entire league on offense, but their defense is very, very strong. I wouldn't quite say that they're parking the bus necessarily, but it's pretty, pretty darn close. And I'll show you why that's evident momentarily. Uh, first, uh, key player tied for uh, second best in clean sheets in the league is Jamal Al Hosani, their goalkeeper. He is on loan from the aforementioned Shabab Al Ali team. But the most average player that they have going is Wilder or Wilder uh, Cartagena. He's Peruvian central defensive midfielder. CONCACAF fans, La Liga fans, you recognize the name? In 2018, he played for Veracruz, but it was just that one season. Uh, he's a really, really fine tackler, but if he wants to be an above-average player overall, he's got to do something on offense. He's only got one assist, and he has yet to score. Uh, as far as the team's current form, uh, just the opposite of their host today. They are unbeaten in their last nine after a very slow start. They've won their last three matches, have a 5-2 and two goal differential in the last three. Uh, they've only got two losses on the entire season, uh, but they're not near the top of the table because they've only managed draws in six of their matches a whole heck of a lot. And finally, yes, our third and final bonus match. We have truly reached the end of our podcast road. And as always, we will not be ending on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth, not but scorn for these two sad sack bottom feeders. This is the match of disappointed. And Kevin Sorbo would very much like you to know that these two teams are, in fact, in second to last and last place in their league. And the match of disappointing match that you have voted on is a Sunday match from one of the least disappointing places, perhaps, in the world. Bermuda, their premier division. It's only ranked, I believe, number 25, probably, in CONCACAF, at least according to one source that I like, Kick Algorithms. It's not official, but they're usually pretty accurate. This is near the very bottom of the entire region, or at least of the ranked teams, probably all of them, because uh, this is a country that hasn't enrolled a team into international competition since 1992, even though they could send their champions on to one of the uh, Caribbean sub-confederation tournaments uh, annually. They just haven't done it. 
More relevantly, three teams are going to get relegated out of these leagues, so these are very strong candidates. They're almost halfway through their double-round-robin season, and this is a league of 11 teams. Your matchup is number 10, the Somerset Eagles. They are taking on the even worse last-place Crossroad Warriors. If you've ever seen the Bermuda table, you will see it's spelled with an X, but they do say Crossroad. Here's how that section of the table looks. Uh, Crossroad Warriors have just three points. Somerset Eagles have four. Southampton Rangers have five. And then your first position of safety outside the relegation zone belongs to a club called Robin Hood. Yes, you can see the English influence all over the place here at eight points in the table. Both of these teams that we're going to talk about do have a match in hand over Southampton Rangers, and I think that is one of the teams that's going to get relegated. But let's concentrate on the two we have here. Again, if you've ever looked at a list of CONCACAF tables and notice Bermuda, you might not recognize uh, Somerset Eagles. Uh, You might just see the abbreviation SBRC, Somerset Bridge Recreation Club. It is in uh, the parish called Sandy's Parish. It is one of nine parishes in the country, and it is on the far southwest end of the country. Uh, area of about The parish has about 7,000 people in it. It's three little islands off the main island, and then just a little tiny bit of the main island. And I think the reason for that is so that there's just one entity that is taking care of the bridge that the area is somewhat famous for, the Somerset Bridge that connects the mainland to uh, one of those three islands is perhaps not documented the smallest drawbridge in the world. It's so small that it's actually operated by a hand crank and the bridge only uh, it goes up and only comes apart, creates a gap of just a little bit under three feet, just wide enough for a ship mast to go through safely. Uh, You might have seen this if you have ever seen a Bermudian dollar, it appears on that. But I'd encourage you to Google up an image. It really is a cute, uh, stonish looking bridge, even though it's a drawbridge. Back to the footy. 2015-16, they won the second division in the country. 2019-20, the last full season that was played in this country, uh, they finished in second to last place and should have been relegated. Not sure why they weren't. Maybe it was COVID-related. Last year in the shortened season, they got in just under half of it. They were in last place at the time. They've had more luck apparently in the country's FA Cup. In 2010 and 2013, they made it as far as the finals, though they didn't get to lift the trophy either time. They are 1-1-6 this year. Uh, Second worst offense, third worst defense, but woof, how bad on defense are these bottom teams in this league? They give up over two and a half goals per match. Just awful. As far as the team's current form, hey, maybe everything is starting to come up, uh, Eagles. They just got a 3-3 draw versus number seven, Devonshire Colts. And now Crossroad Warriors, they've got about as long a drive as you can have uh, for, you know, within Bermuda. They're uh, fairly far up into the northwest corner of the island in Smith's Parish, area of about 6,000. Uh, if that name happens to ring bell, well, Smith rings a bell with everybody, but it's named for, I will simply say, Sir Thomas Smith, who uh, is the same investor. Uh, he put 60,000 pounds, which is a lot of money at that time, invested in Bermuda. He actually put 80,000 in Virginia, so he does have something of a place in American history. I believe he was either in charge of for a time or heavily invested with the uh, East India Trading Company. In any case, the footy, last year they finished in 10th place in the shortened season. The last full season, they were number 8 out of 10. 
This year, they are 1-0-7. They've got the worst offense in the league, uh, scoring less than one goal per match. And their defense, how is this only second worst in the league? They give up over three goals per match. More, how do you even win one match with that kind of defense? It's almost impressive, except that it's not at all. As far as the team's current form, they actually started the season on a good foot. They won their first match over... Southampton Rangers, one of the two teams or three teams I think will get relegated, but they've lost every match since then. And in honor of that, rather than wishing these uh, losers good luck, we will instead send them off into their match in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo! And that's it for episode 64 of Soccer New Rocket America. Yes, I know we didn't have a single American match. The professional seasons are over in America. That does not stop our rocking, so to speak. In any case, some folks I'd like to thank. The management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, our old website's former Interno Inferno, for all of his creative efforts and inspiration. To my daughter, Persanoob. Love you very much. Glad we get to do this together. And to you, the listener. So, so much appreciated. Why? Well, because I put a lot of hours into getting this information together. Look, I love the other podcasts that I listen to. I won't say that they're all the same. They're, they're certainly not. But I'll be honest, I've yet to find anyone else who's doing quite what we do and what we put together. <laughs> if I did, I could, uh, I could retire this and pick a different hobby. In any case, my sincerest wish is that if you've been entertained and even learned a little, that you will pass our show along to your footy-minded friends. We're going to see you at episode 65 soon. And until then, have a fabulous footy week, please. Take care.